Pretty much every phone and tablet today uses a multi-touch user interface. Today we'll explain where the technology for multi-touch came from and what it means for something to be multi-touch. Welcome to Copec Explained Software, the podcast where we make computing intelligible. All right, Dave, start with giving us a brief history of touchscreens. Well, the technology for touchscreens was really invented in the 1960s and 1970s, and it saw early applications for things like controlling a particle accelerator or making air traffic control systems more ergonomic for those high-stress jobs. There were even some early uses of touchscreens in educational computing. But I really want to focus today on personal computers because that's what most of our listeners are familiar with. The first personal computers with touchscreens came out of the 1980s, but they really weren't very mainstream. In the 90s, we saw the first mainstream computers with touch interfaces in the form of the first PDAs or personal digital assistants the most famous of which is the Palm Pilot. Now, those early PDAs only had what we would call single-touch touchscreens, meaning that the machine could only recognize a single point being touched on the screen at any given time. It wasn't until the iPhone came out in 2007 that multi-touch became mainstream. What do you mean by multi-touch? Right, let's go back a bit to talk about the origins of multi-touch, but first I'll give a definition. So multi-touch just has to do with touching multiple points on the screen at a given time. And the machine being able to recognize both hardware and software that those multiple touches happened, and what we've combined with that is the kind of gestures you can do with multiple touches. Things like swiping, or pinching, or rotating two fingers. There's all kinds of interesting human-computer interactions that can happen as a result of those gestures. And multi-touch encompasses both the ability to recognize multiple points and do gestures with those points. And that's what really the iPhone popularized. But like with single-touch, it's technology that's been around for a long time. It goes all the way back to the 1960s and 70s where the early research into multi-touch happened. But there's one individual who more than any other we could give credit to for bringing multi-touch as we know it today to the forefront, and that's Wayne Westerman. Wayne Westerman was doing his PhD, and he had a problem, which was that he had repetitive stress injuries, specifically tendonitis in his wrists, and he ended up doing the research for his PhD into a new device that would be more ergonomic for those with tendonitis in their wrists, like himself, specifically an input device, and really what we think about as multi-touch was defined by that thesis. He ended up commercializing it with a professor that he was working with into a company called Fingerworks, and they developed basically a flat keyboard that was like a solid slab that could recognize multi-touch gestures. Now, we should be careful and say that this was not a multi-touch screen because it was only an input device. It was a replacement for a keyboard. It wasn't also an output device. It wasn't also a screen where you're getting images back to you. So they developed at Fingerworks this multi-touch keyboard. It was actually starting to get some buzz around the industry. It was really targeted mainly for people with repetitive stress injuries. In 2005, Apple had started to work on 
an internal project to develop a phone or a tablet, and they had this interest in multi-touch, they actually purchased the company Fingerworks in 2005. The iPhone comes out in 2007. That's how the iPhone ended up getting this technology from Fingerworks and becoming the first mainstream device to have multi-touch as we know it today. Again, there had been research into it going back to the 70s and 80s, but really what we think about multi-touch today was really developed by Wayne Westerman and Fingerworks, and that's really what led directly to the iPhone. So the iPhone was the first device to incorporate it? So yeah, the iPhone was the first mainstream device to have it. Now, Android was a fast follower. When Android was first being developed, it was actually a startup company that Google purchased. And when they were working on their original phone, I think they started all the way back in 2003, the BlackBerry was kind of the -the state-of-the-art smartphone. And it had, of course, more of a keyboard interface, a physical chiclet keyboard. And that's what Android was originally going to be optimized for. Android was going to be designed for devices with a physical chiclet keyboard, just like the BlackBerry. But the iPhone comes out in 2007, and once people see multi-touch on a phone, they're like, wow, it's like a light bulb went off in everybody's head. This is so obvious that this is such an intuitive and better way for people to interact with these small devices. So they pivoted, and actually after the iPhone came out, Android changed its focus from being more of this BlackBerry-like user interface to having multi-touch itself. And of course... The iPhone and Android devices now make up the majority of all computing devices in the world. So the two of them together have led to multi-touch being the dominant human-computer interaction paradigm. But yes, the iPhone was the first mainstream device, so it does deserve a lot of credit. And also, you know, the engineers at Apple refined what Fingerworks had developed. What Fingerworks had developed was just a keyboard, effectively. It was not a screen. And it wasn't yet refined in the way that we saw multi-touch on the first iPhone. So there was a lot of research and development work done by Apple between the time that they purchased Fingerworks in 2005 and the iPhone came out in 2007. So Apple does deserve a lot of credit for multi-touch. When Apple says that they invented multi-touch, as Steve Jobs did at the first keynote for the iPhone, that's not exactly true. Uh, multi-touch certainly had existed for decades, but they deserve a lot of credit for refining it, making it mainstream, and really actually releasing it in a mass-produced product for the first time. What's the hardware like in a multi-touch device? So multi-touch devices use generally capacitive touchscreens. There are two different kinds of touchscreen technology that have been really popular. There are other kinds as well, but these are the two that have been in most electronic devices. There are resistive touchscreens and there are also capacitive touchscreens. In a resistive touchscreen, you have kind of two layers of material, one of which has a current going through of it and the other which is conductive and they're very close together. And when there's some pressure on the screen, they touch and where that connection is made, that's where a touch is registered. Now, so that basically just requires force. So resistive touchscreens are actually the dominant technology in the 1990s all the way up to the mid-00s. For example, the original Palm Pilot and the whole Palm line of devices were all resistive touchscreens. The iPhone and basically every mainstream touch device after that have been capacitive touchscreen devices. This technology has also existed for a long time. It wasn't like new to the iPhone, but it was generally more expensive in the past than resistive touchscreens. 
And how a capacitive touchscreen works is you have a small layer of conductive material either on top of the screen or incorporated within the screen. When your finger touches the touchscreen, it actually, you know, your finger is conductive. The human skin is conductive, right? And it has some capacitance to it. And where your finger touches, it's actually like interrupting a little bit, almost you can think about it, the electrical signal that's going through. And that's how the touch is recognized. The only disadvantage of this really, uh, it's in many ways a much better technology than resistive touch because it doesn't require force. But um, the only downside to this is you need to actually have your human skin making contact. So if you're wearing gloves on a capacitive touchscreen and you touch the device, it doesn't recognize the touch. You might have seen that with your iPhone or your Android device. You have gloves on, it doesn't work. Anyway, those are the two mainstream kinds of hardware technology for touchscreens. Capacitive touch is the dominant today, and it's also what most multi-touch devices have. What does the software involved do? A great multi-touch device is really a symbiosis between hardware and software. The hardware has to be able to accept multiple touches. But actually understanding what those multiple touches are happens in software. There has to be gesture recognition algorithms that understand that when I'm moving my two fingers, that's not just many different individual touches, but that's actually, for example, doing a swipe or maybe rotating or doing a pinch, right? Um, That's all interpreted in software. So when you have a multi-touch device that really works well, it has highly optimized hardware and software working in concert with one another. And a lot of that software work by the folks at Apple or Google is actually algorithmic work. It's it's quite, um, it can be from simple to quite sophisticated, the type of algorithms that are needed to identify different kinds of multi-touch gestures. And the software also needs to be highly optimized because so many touches can happen so quickly. How has the prevalence of multi-touch changed software design? Multi-touch has definitely changed the way that software designers go about laying out user interfaces. Back when we were using pens and styluses with things like the original Palm Pilot where it was single touch, they can be very precise. The tip of a pen is a very precise point, just like the cursor being used with the mouse is down to a single pixel that we can really expect the user to be able to lock onto, right? But your finger, your finger compared to a stylus or the cursor that's used with a mouse is actually quite fat. When you're touching the touchscreen on your iPhone or your Android device, it's actually touching many, many pixels at the same time. It's a less accurate, but more intuitive way of touching the screen. So um, we need to take that into account when we design user interfaces. Our user interfaces need to have a little bit of give to them. They need to enable our users to be approximately right with what they're touching and still get what they expect. And sometimes there can be a little trickery that goes into this. There's this great story about the development of the first software keyboard on the iPhone where uh, when you're actually tapping on that original keyboard, this is probably still the case in the modern keyboard too, the space where the next key that you're expected to hit is actually has a larger touch target than the rest of the keys. So how big the touch target is for each next key, depending on what the most likely key that you mean to hit next is, so there's some prediction going on here, uh, is actually going to be a little bit larger so so you don't accidentally hit one of the keys right next to it. That's all happening behind the scenes. You're not actually seeing that those touch targets have changed. Software designers had to really take into consideration that 
yes, our fingers are super fast to use and they're super intuitive for us as human beings to use. And it's so fluid taking our fingers and putting them directly and manipulating directly, sometimes called direct manipulation on the screen, but they're not that accurate. And so we need to be more forgiving with um, where users are actually touching. In terms of what our software looks like, the general set of widgets hasn't changed that much. The graphical user interface, which goes back to the 70s, early 80s, has had some of the same widgets over the past four decades as it did back in the 80s, and multi-touch really didn't change that that much. We're still dealing with buttons, we're still dealing with menus, we're still dealing with text input boxes. A lot of the widgets that we expect from desktop computing with a mouse and keyboard are pretty much there in touch user interfaces on iOS and Android. So the actual like collection of components that we use has not changed that much, but how we use them, how we lay them out, do this accuracy issue has. Thanks for listening to us this week. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Kopec Explains, K-O-P-E-C-E-X-P-L-A-I-N-S. Please don't forget to follow us on your podcast player of choice, and we'll see you in a couple weeks.